Mental Health First Aid, the importance of goal setting, not just listening. I remember the first time I ever went for a health check. I was just out of university and it was a company I worked for who decided that health screening was something they, they'd like to introduce. Now, the, the technician was set up in one of our meeting rooms and uh, laid out all of her kit, you know, the scales, blood pressure monitor, peak flow device, etc. and all that. And now the, the young lady who did the health screen clearly knew her stuff and, uh, you know, was very professional, took all my readings and then gave me a piece of beautifully branded paper with my results on. Now, I was fresh out of a three year, three years at university. So obviously hadn't been looking after myself that much, probably a bit too much on the, the beer side. So obviously I wasn't expecting my scores to be great. Anyway, upon being told that I had a slightly high BMI, you know, actually a body mass index, and an ever so slightly elevated blood pressure, the technician thanked me for my time and waved me on my way. Then, on walking back to my desk, uh, you know, with my nicely branded piece of paper under my uh, under my arm, I suddenly started to think, well, actually, what about? I became quite concerned about my BMI and blood pressure scores. It suddenly struck me that whilst it was a good idea to be talking about these things and made aware of them. Without a roadmap or any tips on how the hell to reverse them, the consultation was virtually pointless. And instead of being a good thing, it actually just made me worry about something that I didn't know how to change. Now, had the technician been shown how to do a complete job, and obviously I'm not blaming her, by the way, she was just following her company's training, uh, she would have spent an additional 10 minutes with me, sitting down with me, explaining results in more detail, and most importantly, giving me concrete actions that I could take to reverse those scores on my, my BMI and my blood pressure. Now, the thing is, Many mental health first aiders seem to feel unsure of what to say and what to do when speaking to somebody who's distressed or or struggling with mental health. Should I sit and listen? Should I give them advice? Should I follow my algae plan? And many just seem plain plain unsure, and this leads to interactions lasting for far longer than they need to. Many assume there's a structure they need to follow and things they should avoid saying. And all of this self-examination can lead to feeling so self-conscious, they just sit and focus on listening for an extended period. Listening's good, but there's more to it than that. The World Health Organization set out a comprehensive 2020 to 2030 mental health action plan that aims to fundamentally change the way we approach mental health. And in this report, they highlight excellent practices from across the world. And one of the common factors in these showcased examples, these examples that highlight for their for, for the quality of support, one of the key common factors was their use of goal setting, action plans and recovery plans co-created by the person struggling and their peer support. This is one of the crucial factors, one of the commonalities amongst all the services that are doing really well, this goal-setting, this action-driven approach. Now, listening is obviously a powerful action. It's a powerful thing to do. But just listening is similar to the experience I had with a health technician earlier, where just doing half a job. Listening is the half of the job that helps us understand the person's situation with them. And it's this understanding that sets the foundation for the other half which is the actions that will be taken by the individual to improve their situation based on that understanding. That would have been the equivalent of the health technician sitting with me and talking about the ways I can, or co-discussing ways that I could improve my BMI and my blood pressure. Some examples from around the world. Afia House, which is a peer-run respite centre in Massachusetts in America, uh, emphasises that although they don't ever pressure anybody to create a plan for their recovery, they do ask them to set objectives for for themselves, what what they want to achieve during their stay. And this can be anything ranging from something as simple as wanting to improve their quality of sleep to perhaps more complex goals like developing a full wellness plan. At Link House, which is a residential crisis centre in Bristol, staff help the residents create personally tailored programmes and life routines. 
as well as coaching them on life skills they may be struggling with, such as self-care, time management and relationships, to name a few things. At Tupuake, a peer-led crisis centre in South Auckland, New Zealand, staff help guests to reflect on their lives and clarify their goals and aspirations. They often use methods such as the RAP model, RAP's an acronym for Wellness Recovery Action Plan, and this focuses on an individual's strengths and helps to, aims to build resilience and coping skills. The BET unit at Blackstad Hospital in Norway place personal empowerment at the heart of what they do and centre care on each individual's service users', service users goals and values. These goals and values are identified through conversation and assimilated into a plan for their treatment. Staff at the Personal Ombudsman, also known as the PO for short, this is a supported living service in Sweden, and they initially aim to build trust with the residents, and then they move on to, to help them to identify their issues, hopes, dreams, and outcomes for their support whilst there. And they also work together to devise a plan for achieving these goals. Soteria House, a well-known crisis service in Bern in Switzerland, asks all service users to complete a questionnaire on relapse prevention, which essentially gives the staff an advanced idea of what to do and what to look out for, and lists people the personal fears they can trust and strategies they might find useful during relapse should one occur. A very similar process to the Wellness Recovery Action Plan, the RAPS. Now, at Soteria, their residents also create an individual recovery plan that encompasses all aspects of their life, from health, leisure and finances, to hopes, worries, goals, and even coping strategies as well. Staff at Ormond Clinic, a community-based mental health service in Yangon in Burma, work with service users to, to develop short and long-term goals, crisis planning, therapeutic strategies, and manage social factors such as relationships. They aim to, indiv- to identify individual strengths and help them regain a sense of control over their lives. Home Focus, a peer support group in West Cork over in Ireland, helps its service users develop individual action plans, which are reviewed every six months. These plans include their goals and priorities and states what they want to happen during a crisis. Nyador, a community-based mental health service in West Bengal in India, takes a holistic approach to recovery, which puts the individual at the centre. They aim to focus on their social as well as clinical recovery, and they develop individual or co-develop, should I say, individual care plans based on the person's unique goals, which they revisit every quarter to assess, to progress assess and adjust the plan if necessary. Lessons from these examples. So what can you take away from these examples highlighted by the WHO in terms of planning and goal setting with those who are struggling? Change sometimes occurs by itself when somebody's struggling, but should we leave it to chance or should we take a more action-based approach in terms of how maybe managers and mental health first aiders approach support? A team of mental health first aiders who are confident in working with a struggling colleague to uncover, discover what recovery means to them and co-devise an action plan as to how they will get there is like to have a far greater impact on mental health related absenteeism, presenteeism and staff turnover than one that's based solely around listening or just listening or advice giving. So hopefully there's been something useful in this for you. Hopefully it's given you some good ideas around how you can start to move things forward in terms of your mental health first aid team. And don't forget, if you want to download my free report for mental health first aid mistakes every business needs to avoid, just click on the link below. There's the link below in the details and I'll send over that free report. Again, it's called Four Mental Health First Aid Mistakes Every Business Needs to Avoid. Speak to you soon.